Hello and welcome to another edition of Friday Finds for November 24th, 2023. I'm your host, Lynn Schneider. Thanks again for joining me. Now, I don't know everything about the demographics of my audience, but I would venture to say that most of you or a good percentage of you are like me and you have invited Amazon's smart devices into your home whether it be the Fire tablets, the Echo Show, or Lady A, we have made these devices part of our family in a way. And in fact, I think that I have the world's record on the number of cooking timers set on one device. (laughs) And these devices were based on the Android platform with Amazon's modification In fact, by Amazon's own statistics, they have sold over 200 million of these devices. According to an article from The Verge, and I've seen this in other places as well, Amazon has begun replacing their Android platform with its own software on some of its products. Um, The latest Echo Show 5, and it has the new platform on it. It's supposed to have the same look and feel. It'll be interesting to see from an accessibility standpoint if we notice any differences. Eventually, this new platform that is codenamed Vega um, will be used for Fire TV and other smart displays. This is going to mean that a lot of the developers who have built apps for this platform are now going to have to rebuild their apps and recode them. And this is going to, I think, cause a little bit of unhappiness from the developer's perspective, but the economic benefits of doing this would probably outweigh the headaches of actually recoding these things. Some people are concerned right now because they bought like the Amazon Fire tablets and different things and they were able to sideload apps onto them since they were Android based. But now that Amazon has come up with its own platform and they're basically starting from the beginning, this is going to mean that Amazon's going to have more control over not only their software, but what their hardware can do. So unfortunately, as Android changed and you know sort of evolved, some of these products were built on old Android. And by having their own platform like this, Amazon has, of course, more control over the updates and things like that. They also have more control over the advertising that can be done, you know, Android probably does have some things in it that stop Amazon from doing some of the things it wants to do. They want to have the device be able to have widgets on it and feed advertising while it's not being used. So it never sits idle. (laughs) And actually, my Echo Show, I'm not sure which version of Echo Show I have, but I know that my mom will often look at it at night and it'll show her recipes or it'll show her news stories or whatever. So I don't really know what will be different. I think 
what is going to be interesting is that a lot of us are going to get these new products for, for the holidays, I guess, and they may feel a little bit different. And it's going to be interesting. I, I really do hope that this platform was created with accessibility in mind. Amazon did announce layoffs in its Lady A team. I'm not going to say the word. I don't want to trigger anybody's <laughs> device. But this probably means that they really are retooling and um, pivoting. Of course, AI is going to be a large part of this new platform. You're going to see a lot more AI built into your devices. And the question is, you know, what is this going to mean? Do you want something just sitting in your house feeding you advertisements? So yeah, this is going to be something to watch. And let's just hope again that accessibility has been taken into consideration because many of us have fallen in love with these devices and it's hard to imagine how we would do without them really. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I would have to set my timer on my phone maybe. <laughs> you know, sort of a, a first world problem actually. Okay, so imagine this scenario. You are a robotics engineer or an inspector, and you know a dirty little secret about robots, and that is that they malfunction a lot, and they often need human intervention to get them straightened out again. And that is why you have a job in the first place. So you go into work, it's a typical day, and your boss greets you with your first project, which is to check the sensors on a robot. Now, this, this robot is designed to transfer produce onto pallets. So you are looking at the robot, you're looking at the sensors and trying to figure out what the problem is. And before you know what hits you, you are grabbed and smashed against a conveyor belt. Needless to say, this is not a good day for you. Now, this is exactly what happened to a robot inspector in South Korea who was crushed to death by a robot on November 8th. And he was checking the sensors. It was an agricultural produce distribution center. And the robot mistook him for a box of vegetables. That's how this happened. So it, you know, grabbed him and I guess sucked him into the conveyor belt and he was killed that way. So I am, tend to be drawn to stories like this and I don't know what that says about me, but I think the reason that I wanted to discuss this is because we know that robots will become a part of all of our lives, not just in industry, but we know that robots are now doing security detail and they deliver, they do a lot of different things. And so they're very complicated pieces of equipment. And like in industry, we have a lot of places now where robots operate autonomously on the factory floor. Sometimes they don't even have lights on 
And, you know, this, these machines are like totally automated. The problem happens when a human has to go in to fix them or to diagnose a problem because obviously a robot doesn't necessarily know a human from a box of vegetables, but it definitely does raise safety questions. And are we all going to have to learn how to interact with these machines, how to be safe around them? So we know that a lot of people don't like robots because they worry about losing their jobs to them. But in this article from Futurism, they talk about how, you know, robots killing humans, it's pretty rare. Now, in 1979, at a Ford casting plant, a malfunctioning robot smashed into the head of one of the workers, killing the worker. So in July 2015, at a Volkswagen assembly plant in Germany, there was also a death caused by a robot that crushed a person um, against metal plates. So, you know, I find robotics quite fascinating. And I have reported on this podcast about things like, you know, autonomous taxis and such. And the question is, how can we learn to coexist safely with these robots? And obviously, part of that is design, right? The software design. But um, I know that in the research I did on this, there was a security robot that supposedly stepped on a child's toe. And, you know, we're being promised all these great things by these autonomous machines. But the question is, how can humans be safe around them? They don't kill humans on purpose, although sabotage is something that, you know, don't get me going on this. <laughs> we, I mean, um, you know, I have a wild imagination. But, you know, th- these are things that are becoming a part of our reality as humans in an automated world. And I am at the, as the article said, we're going to see more of this, unfortunately. And the question is, who is responsible? Is the employer responsible? Is the robotic manufacturer? So there's a lot of legal um, uncertainty around this. But again, we know that there are probably a lot of injuries that happen with these machines that don't get reported. And that's unfortunate because we really do need to, if we're going to make best use of these things, uh, we have to learn how to coexist around them without being hurt by them. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens in the future with these machines. So I'm involved in a lot of groups that deal with visual impairment and blindness. And one of the things that we have all been trying to do is to increase the number of blind and visually impaired kids getting into STEM subjects, and that's science, technology, engineering, and math. And basically, the reason why we want kids to get into these fields is that they do tend to be lucrative, and they have opportunities for advancement, and they are very much needed right now in the economy. 
we've always thought about like, how do we get our kids interested in these subjects? So that's why I was excited to find an announcement of an app on David Goldfield's excellent Tech VI list. The app is free and you can download it today. And it's called Octo Studio. Capital O C T O, capital S T U D I O. No spaces, dashes, or anything. But it is a block based programming app that enables students to make simple animations and games using characters and sounds that they choose. Now, certain parts of this app are not accessible because they are inherently visual, but Octo Studio was developed by the what's what's called the Lifelong Kindergarten Group at MIT Media Lab. And it's available for free on the iPhone, the iPad, and also Android smartphones and tablets. So basically the way this works is Octo Studio is, they describe it as a fun, creative tool designed for students ages seven and up to learn to create interactive projects by tinkering with code blocks while developing their creativity and problem-solving skills. So apparently, Octo Studio is a mainstream app that has been designed basically for all students, including students who are low vision and students who use a screen reader. Octo Studio is similar in some ways to the scratch coding environment. And I'm not, I'm going to stay in my lane and admit that I have no idea what any of this means, but I just thought it was interesting anyway. Um, So, you know, both are visual programming languages, which use coding blocks. So they can be snapped together to make characters move, play sounds, interact, and more. Um, One of the original Scratch founders named Natalie Rusk is the research scientist who has been leading the development of Octo Studio. The creators understand that Scratch is not accessible to students who use screen readers and have diligently worked and continue to work to make Octo Studio as accessible as possible. There are words that you use um, to manipulate your characters and your sounds and things like that. So basically, you arrange these blocks in a way that allows you to create a story or a, a project of some sort. And this is really a tool, an educational tool for students to sort of get an idea of what coding is like. It's compatible with voiceover and talkback. Um, Octo Studio can also be played on an iPad or Android tablet. So it's designed for kids. So, and on smartphones, the app also provides haptic feedback. So yeah, check out Octo Studio if you have some time during the holiday season or you get bored. 
and see what it's all about. Um, and for people who know anything about coding, this should be pretty um, interesting. You can get it from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. And with that being said, we're going to sign off for this week. But I love your feedback, so feel free to share it with me at feedback at fridayfinds.show. We have our own website, which you can find at fridayfinds.show. We can also be found in Apple Podcasts. And we are a proud member of the IACast network. And we are available on IACast's main podcast feed, as well as IACast Radio. Have a great weekend and a great week ahead. See you next week. Thanks a lot, folks.